Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined, as always, by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great. You know, we've got a uh, huge announcement from Microsoft coming up that will be a lot of fun to talk about, and we've got a really cool guest, so this should be a good episode. Not like our normal ones. Windows 9? Uh, yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> going, they're going back and filling in the gap. It's yeah, really it's amazing I knew, stuff. I knew it would come eventually. And Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm thinking about how confusing it would be as if they did go back to Windows 9 <laughs> and then like came out with Windows 9.5, and people are like, are we on Windows 95? Or, Ooh, that yeah, would, that could would really screw problems. some people up. No. Yeah, well, and of course it's like retro. I, I'm just a whole scenario in my well, brain. Instead of Windows 11, it could be Windows 9.11, Windows for work groups. <laughs> Windows so. for work groups. <laughs> Windows awesome. 9.11 just does not sound. No, it doesn't. Yeah, all right, that doesn't work. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and nip <laughs> that one in the bud. Yeah. All right, we are joined by a special guest today. We have Dmitry Nemirovsky, who is the co-founder and COO of Atacama. Dmitry, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing fantastic, and I and I love I love your background because it's company logo, but it looks like you're like a superhero. <laughs> that that's what my kids say. Yeah. Okay, that is true. That's good to know. All right, well, uh, we're gonna talk all about file level encryption and things that I don't understand, but I will after our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Dimitri, in this segment, we are going to be rapidly firing questions at you. We'll each kind of go around and ask you a question. You'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. You'll see a timer pop up on the right side of your screen. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Like that, we'll move on to the next question. We are going to start with uh, Peter, oddly enough. Oh, me. All right, perfect. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with the easy question. So can you kind of give us an overview of Atacama and what you guys do? Singularly focused on information security software, and the first software that we brought to market is our encryption solution. Um, encryption, you know, people have been using it for millennia, uh, but unfortunately, in the past century or so, it's really slowed down from a development standpoint and a solution. When you look at the cybersecurity tech stack, it really is a gaping hole that a lot of producers out there right now are not filling and relying on legacy solutions. We are an innovative new approach to encryption. In a nutshell, it's basically the equivalent of multi-factor encryption. So you're using two devices to decrypt something. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing that we usually ask people is about how they got their start in IT, like what led them into a technology career. Uh, but I happen to know that you had a background in law. I think you listed somewhere that you're a recovering attorney. So how does how does that work? Like how did it's or, a logical jump, Don? <laughs> yeah, does, does, does that help you with what you do right now, or was it a total switch for you? Yeah, uh, nothing in the law helps with anything else. So let's <laughs> start there. Um, I do have a sponsor. I've been clean for about four thousand eight hundred and sixty-two days, and I'm quite proud of that. But how many um, billable actually, hours is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a lot. lot. The, the wife, table. the wife reminds me every day. Yeah. I assure you. Um, but, uh, you know, I took my first coding class in eighth grade, always loved technology. I really um, lost my way sometime between, uh, you know, high school and college, decided to get a law degree and an MBA. Uh, always loved technology. Um, I really started my legal career during the dot-com era. And, um, you know, I was considered the tech guy at my law firm because I knew how to use Excel. 
Um, and I kid you not, I was the tech guy because of that. So I'm always stuck around, really enamored by new and uh, intriguing, uh, you know, uh, technology. And uh, what really led me to leave the law and move into tech, believe it or not, was uh, the Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Really cool stuff. I was actually looking at your website um, before we got on here, and you seem to be very privacy focused, which is awesome. I have recently also just become like gone down the rabbit hole of privacy and how we are woefully and inadequately uh, protected uh, as our personal privacy. So I like what you got going on here, but I don't understand how the heck do you get this thing to work between these different cloud solutions and and whatnot? Uh, how does it how does it different from traditional like file level encryption? Yeah. So traditional encryption really is not file level. It's very difficult to get down to that file level, that granularity. Most encryption, we all used it today when we logged into our computers. Everyone listening on the call today, when they logged into our computers or even your phone, when you unlocked your phone, your phone's encrypted, your computer's encrypted. The problem is it's encrypted with a single key, right? Your password uh, or your biometrics on your phone, right? Your face, your thumbprint, whatever the case may be, or even a code, right? It's still that one password. Um, encrypting granularly at the file level is a game changer because it's the equivalent of password protecting all of your files with a unique password if that were um, actually practical and, and solvable. Um, that's what we do um, uh, because the underpinnings of our technology is what's called distributed key management. Um, and instead of you having to remember all these different passwords, we basically manage those passwords, but those passwords are the equivalent of a 256-bit randomly generated cryptographic, um, uh, you know, uh, secure thing, right, of, uh, uh, for, for each file. So um, it's it's a game changer, uh, really is a paradigm shift away from the way that encryption has been um, used uh, for, you know, the past multiple decades. And the way that we're able to integrate with the Google drives, the Dropboxes, the boxes is we are platform agnostic because you're encrypting things before they are synced to the back end. Um, and that's how we solve for that. Hmm. So, you know, obviously you talked about moving from from the law to to IT, but you kind of just moved right from that to to creating this company. If I'm reading your your resume correctly, so what was it that prompted you? I mean, was there was there a problem you saw? Did someone come to you and say, "Hey, this is something that's going on"? What what made you take that leap and, and yeah. go ahead and change? So I was still practicing law and I would, so we're based here in New York City and um, it's where, you know, I grew up in my legal career. I spent time, you know, on Wall Street pretty much representing all the financial institutions. And when I first learned about Bitcoin, this was around 2013, 2014, I would go to these meetups um, and most everyone in the room looked like, you know, not disparaging anyone that they worked out of their parents' basement and they were looking to hack someone. Um, and then a bunch of us that were still wearing suits at the time, the ties, you know, we'd congregate because we spoke the same language, you know, traditional Wall Street institutional. Um, and getting enamored by Bitcoin and the blockchain technology, uh, you know, the group amongst us kind of said, well, what can we do here? There's, there's an interesting, you know, play here. Can we actually build a, you know, a, a solution that runs on the Bitcoin blockchain? And we started actually the first iteration of the company before 2017, or I should say the venture. Um, was actually been building an identity play that ran on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it was a double-edged sword because we would go to our you know, contacts in the banking space and say, hey, we have this really cool solution that utilizes the, 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 the power of the Bitcoin blockchain. And they were like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Uh, but you do realize it's Bitcoin and blockchain. I really can't sell this right now. And this was back in 2015, 2014, right? When people were concerned, they really didn't understand what Bitcoin was. 
And so we sat down and reevaluated and said, well, the blockchain runs on this distributed key, uh, private public key pairing, and it secures today the equivalent of you know over a trillion dollars. Um, can we harness that power? And our solution today is blockchain inspired, uh, but does not have anything to do with Bitcoin or blockchain. But that was the inspiration. That's what caused us to start the company. Sure, that makes sense. And and last question, just real quick: Is this just for businesses, or is this something that like I as an individual could could use as well? Up until three weeks ago, it was exclusively for businesses. We actually launched an individual user version for anyone to go ahead and download and begin using. And for that privacy aspect, I think you know uh, our one of our core values is everyone should control their information, um, and we give people the power to do so. Very cool. Very cool. You know, Peter, I, w- I want to sneak yeah, in one please. extra question on this. Bonus. It shouldn't, shouldn't be too hard, but uh, uh, you know, one of the early lessons that I got in cybersecurity was that it's it's not always a great idea to adopt the latest and greatest shiny <laughs> thing in cybersecurity. You know, a lot of the encryption algorithms we use have been around for twenty years, decades. You know, field tested. So, how do you how do you counter that when you, when you have a new technology? You guys have been around less than ten years. How do you have you seen resistance for people like adopting the technology or are people just ready to go? Yeah, some people are ready to go. Some people are not, right? That challenger sale, right? This is the famous book, right? Um, it was. It's funny. You said exactly what a potential opportunity said to me last week. It was an eight o'clock call with a, um, a government entity in the kingdom, capital K, that's Saudi Arabia in the Middle East. And he loved the software, loved the solution. And his hesitancy was exactly what you just described. He said, I don't want to be the first one. And my response to him was, you're looking at this the wrong way. Um, You should be looking at this from the standpoint of uh, job security, as opposed to whatever risk may uh, live with with, with you working with a startup like ours. Um, To be clear, we have not created our own proprietary encryption algorithm. We're utilizing a NIST government standard uh, AES-256 bit encryption algorithm. We've just repurposed it for our own uh, technology, right? our own implementation. Um, so while there's always a risk with startups, um, you know, at the end of the day, we currently have thousands of licenses uh, in commercial use. Um, and, uh, you know, knock on wood, we've not had any issues. But, yeah, no one remembers, you know, the second uh, team to land on the moon. Everyone remembers the first. And that's that's the way I counter that and basically say, you know, if you want something, a solution that can solve today's um, attack surface, right, today's threats, you need to be up to speed with the most innovative technology out there. So, uh, which is not to say we're not gonna have problems selling to traditional, you know, um, big fortune 50 companies. And I'm purposely saying 50 because we have sold to fortune 100 companies. Um, But, you know, yeah, there's gonna be resistance for sure. For sure. That's just part of, you know, nature of the beast here. Cool. It was Apollo 12, right? No, uh, (laughs) I don't know their Apollo 12 was scrubbed and then Apollo 13, they made it to the moon but couldn't land because- so that's no one, no one walked to the moon between Apollo 11 and... No, there, there was. There was. Yeah. Apollo 11. There was Apollo, Apollo 11. Apollo 11 was the, the first one. Was the first That's one. That's Armstrong and yeah. Buzz Aldrin. I thought 12 got no scrubbed. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Maybe. We'll because somebody got sick. I think somebody got the measles. No, that was in Apollo 13. Uh, that's that in one the movie. Got, right. That's in the movie. That's in the movie. No, but yeah. the guy on 13, he got replaced by... No, 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 no. We no. digress. 
We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to. He this. got replaced we'll by it. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Kevin Bacon replaced. Uh, no, he was on the Apollo 13 mission, but got replaced. Bill Paxton by Bill. Pa- no, not Bill Paxton. No. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Apollo 12 did actually did land go? on the moon. Oh, well, there you go. Well, yeah. Daniel Granite doesn't believe that Apollo 11 landed well, on the moon. Uh, no, in Daniel's defense, now there's stars <laughs> in the background. How do you get that? It says they scrubbed the mission after they got back. Oh, so oh, there you, like, go. Yeah. you know we're gonna cancel this. <laughs> Give your rocks back. The movie's a lying piece of crap. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Uh, while we have you here, Dimitri, I want to get your take on something in our next segment, which is This or That. All right, so in this segment, we take a look at two different things and kind of compare and contrast. So uh, we want to talk about cybersecurity and information security, which to me seem pretty interchangeable these days. But, uh, but Dimitri, I know you've got some opinions on that. So can you can you help us kind of... Uh, is, is it just web? Is, is it things that are on the web are the cyber part? No. So it's unfortunately, uh, it, do, it is used interchangeably. And I think um, a lot of security practitioners don't focus enough on information security. So when I explain this particular topic, and this is, and I am very opinionated about this topic, and I'm not wrong. I'm never wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, but, strong views. Okay. <laughs> So if you think of cybersecurity as uh, the perimeter, right, uh, the analogy I like to use is a castle, right, with a moat, with a really tall fence, with the guards, that's cybersecurity, right? Cybersecurity is focused on keeping out the adversary, the intruders, the attackers. So you inevitably make those walls thicker, the fences taller, the moats deeper. Um, that's the resiliency against the attack, right? It, it is focused uh, and it is always monitoring the perimeter. The systems. How do I make sure they're not getting breached, including the hardware that is being used um, in that effort, right? Information security really is a subset of cybersecurity. Information security and anyone deploying a proper cybersecurity um, you know, stack should have a component within that stack that is focused on information security. It is focused on protecting the information, right? within that castle, within the perimeter, within that network. So if you think again of that analogy of that castle, information security is how do I protect the crown jewels? How do I protect those individual jewels in such a way where if the adversaries make their way in, the treasure trove within the castle remains secure? And so if you have a proper you know, program that you've deployed, when your perimeter, and I purposely say when your perimeter is compromised, when your network or systems are breached, how do you have systems in place? Do you have systems in place that are there to protect the sensitive information, right? Such that when that perimeter is compromised, my information uh, remains secure. That is information security. I, and, and they can't rely on the same um, threshold. They can't rely on the same pillar um, uh, that you know makes information security um, useless, right? If you're relying on the same, you know, security mechanisms, for example, identity and access management controls, right? If you're relying on those for both your cybersecurity, the perimeter, and your information security, the sensitive information, once you know that identity stack is compromised, now your information is also available to the adversary. So, very important from a uh, security posture to understand the differences the nuances and the various products that, that are available out there to deal with this head on, right? They're really, um, right now, if you, look at, if you look at the cybersecurity space and the vendors and the various offerings out there, I would say almost everything is focused uh, on cybersecurity. 
Um, and now there's somewhat of a sea change because there's a realization that, hey, that's not enough because we're continuously getting attacked. We're continuously getting breached. And I don't care how buttoned up your cybersecurity um, you know, systems may be, how awesome your policies and procedures are. The weakest link is the human element. And they will inevitably click on that link. They will download the file. They will do what they're not supposed to do. Not because you know, they, they want to introduce the risk into the organization, but they're human. They're busy. They're doing different things. And if you're not properly protecting your sensitive information outside of that perimeter, um, you know, the confines of the systems you're using to protect that perimeter, then you will suffer devastating results. That's just a guarantee. You know, we, we've actually seen several attacks just in the last year and a half that have, have all kind of started as phishing or social engineering. An employee gives up their credentials and the attacker is able to use those credentials on a VPN to VPN in and connect, bypassing all the protections that you mentioned, you know, as, as the perimeter. So now the attacker is on the inside. And I, I can see what you're saying. If the information is not secured, you run into a problem. But, I, you know, I've seen other solutions. And as you were describing kind of what you do with the you know, multi-key uh, encrypted files, I, I was thinking about other products that kind of do something similar. There's um, like Cryptomator is a, I don't know if it's open source or not, but it's a free little program where you can create these vaults, you encrypt your files, but you mount the vault and it gets mounted to a drive letter. So yeah. if an attacker has credentials and they access your machine and you left that vault mounted, now they can walk right into the information. So how do you how do you stop a user from like unlocking all the way down to the information like that? Yeah, um, and that, that's a great point. And it's really important. And it's a great example, right? With Cryptometer, whenever you you ask a user to change their existing workflow, and you're introducing friction that they're not accustomed to, um, they will find a way to circumvent it, or they will not follow the the, the, the necessary procedures to ensure the integrity of uh, the security that that particular system or tool or solution or software purports to offer, but you, you know, um, is is actually delivering on right, um, and that therein lies the, the rub, right? And and there's always this balance between security on the one hand and usability on the other hand, and you can make things 100% secure but not usable, right? I can basically take my organization and make it completely offline. Um, we won't make any money, but we'll be secure. Um, that doesn't work, right? So there's always this counterbalance, right? Um, that you, that you, that the security practitioners struggle with, and it's a it, it's a continuous struggle. There's no silver bullet. It's it's always going to be there. So you have to strike that balance in such a way where you are delivering on the security, but not in any way compromising the usability, right? The UX UI uh, uh, of the solution, and. That's, I mean, as much time as we spend on the security aspect of our software, we spend an equal, if not more time making sure that uh, it's it's not only easy to use, but doesn't allow the user to circumvent uh, the controls, right, to diminish the security that our solution is bringing to the table. So uh, from a security, uh, you know, professional standpoint, it's probably one of the hardest tacks. And they're already walking around with a target on their back, right? Users hate them. Oh, you make me change my password every other day. Oh, you make me put in this code. Oh, you make me, you know, type this thing on my phone so I can log in. I hate you. Can't you get rid of all this, right? Because they're not focused on security, regular users, right? Yeah, you but get fired. The security and that's a good way to, to lose. 
You don't have to do that anymore when you get fired. There you go. We're going to start there following the uh, example of from our politicians and do the the big ask, right? We're going to take all your freedoms away. And then, we'll go, oh, you don't do that. Okay, <laughs> okay we'll only take these. <laughs> okay, that's better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> okay, so 2FA is not that bad, I guess. Well, that's fine. I, I, like, I liked your your uh, your argument there, and you clearly were very opinionated on that. Um, but I don't like that you used the, uh, the castle analogy. I would have gone with another Kevin Bacon movie. Um, and maybe you said Tremors, Great uh, flick. where the information is <laughs> in that, that bunker that the guy <laughs> from the dad from Family <laughs> You Ties broke into the, the wrong rec room. Rec room. <laughs> yeah, I remember his <laughs> The name. wrong man's rec room. Is that what he said? Uh, I, I was, was hoping you were going to go to Footloose, but okay. Tremors yeah, that's a tough one to, to, to stretch to cybersecurity. So the city council is the... Is like John Lithgow. <laughs> exactly. And you want to let them dance. You want right. you have sure. to let Dancing them dance. Dancing is so. the... The cyber criminal? I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, Actually, there you go. There you go. They prevented the acts. They prevented the kids from right. You know, and partying. his daughter was an insider threat. But in the exactly. end, but in the end, the cyber criminals win, which is true to life in a yeah, lot of cases. It's basically how it goes. But not if you use that a comma. Am I, am I the only one who's never seen this movie? You've never seen Footloose? <laughs> no. You know, Footloose? I've never actually seen Footloose, but I, I, I everyone knows. Are the you premise. kidding me? Yeah, you, the, you've never seen Footloose the either. Town they banned dancing, and Kevin Bacon's like, yeah. I ain't having like that. A and Bible Belt. So how many how many people Baptist. were killed in the movie? Like seventy at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Lithgow <laughs> came, brought God's thunder down. And just... Footloose first blood uh, was <laughs> it was like a hundred. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was All good. right, good times. Well, uh, I, I understand that you guys have a webinar series starting up again soon. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So every other Thursday, in addition to you know. Um, uh, you know, ad hoc, uh, you know, impromptu uh, webinars, we host uh, what we refer to as a 15-minute coffee break. Uh, and I or one of my team members present the software. We do a live demo. Uh, anyone can join. Uh, we then share the recording with anyone who participates. And it's a really cool way to see our software in action and understand the value proposition and see if it works for you and something that you want to have additional discussions with us about. So is that starting this the, the next Thursday after uh, Labor the Day? Next the next Thursday the after Labor Day, I think okay. the 9th, Fantastic. September 9th. All right, and you can uh, find out more information about that, I assume, on your website, which is atacama.com, A-T-A-K-A-M-A.com. Exactly. Sounds good. Well, Dimitri, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We appreciate uh, your insight and kind of learning about a, a cool cool new use of uh, of that technology. So thanks so much. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. I'm going to go watch Footloose now. There you go. Yeah, as you all should at home, too. But but, uh, but actually, just uh, stick with us for a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the news from this week on TechNado with Don Pizzette. How do IT leaders stay on top of their game with the IT Pro TV webinar series? Twice per month, IT Pro TV presents a webinar on current topics in the IT world. What are some of the key things we should be doing in our organization to make sure that we're prepared for disasters and then... Uh, so what do you say we go ahead and get started with today's topic, how to train your end users to threat. So we're going to talk about some of the major things that you need to do to help keep your people safe while they're working remotely. You can catch IT Pro TV webinars live or watch on demand when your schedule permits. See them all. Visit itpro.tv slash webinars today. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette. Thank you so much to Dimitri from Atacama for joining us. Does Atacama, like add a comma, have anything to do with like technology or encryption? Not that I know no. of. Okay. He probably had like a traumatic experience in grade school. It almost English class. sounds like an anime name or something. Yeah. I, I, we should have asked. How do we not ask we the origin that. of that? Yeah. What was the dude from Street Fighter 2? Uh, was it Akama? 
I have no I idea. Think it was no, isn't, that the, isn't that the company that makes like Ak- Akamai? I don't know. That's Akamai. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we, we got a lot of news. First, uh, we'd asked for your mama jokes about Don's uh, mother, and uh, everyone was too scared to send any in, but I have found a few. So maybe I'll just sprinkle them through. Uh, but just to open, uh, Don's mom is so fat, uh, she was baptized SeaWorld. But uh, if you do oh, have yeah, a, a mama one. joke, go ahead and send that in at technado.com. And if we read it on the air, we'll send you a shirt. I really want to send you a shirt for insulting Don's mother. Um, That's not funny <laughs> at all. Are you offended for SeaWorld? I don't feel offense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's. Oh, this is a tech one. Uh, your mama's so dumb she went to the dentist to get Bluetooth. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, we've got big news. From the world of of Windows and from Redmond uh, coming out. And our first one, this is from uh, right from the horse's mouth at blogs.windows.com. Windows 11 available on October 5th. That's. They couldn't have waited one more month because then it would have been November 5th. Which, as you know. You know, I just realized uh, before the podcast, Peter, I told you that it was going to be launching. Monday, which would be September the fifth. So I'm I'm a month ahead oh. of the news, which just shows our dedication at uh, at Technado to report things. Yeah. So, uh, so you quick, really but, love the Windows all so of a sudden. So they they did announce the launch date, which is the important part of this article. So if you've been wondering, because we we've been talking about Windows 11 for the last couple of months, because they announced it way back at the uh, was it Build uh, Build conference. There yeah. we go. I was trying to remember the name, hmm. uh, but they hadn't told us exactly when we were going to get it. Well, that word has now dropped. It is going to be October 5th, which answers my question from earlier, where I was saying, wow, September 5th, that's a weird date. It's a Sunday, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's September. Microsoft normally does launch in October, but it is going to be October 5th. Now i got to look at what day of the week that is. That is a Tuesday. That makes a lot oh, more sense. So, yeah, like Patch Tuesday. Will it get patches that day? Well, so <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> so what will happen is uh, you, know, you normally do your Windows update and the big Patch yeah. Tuesday where they push things. That's the day that Windows 11 will become available as an upgrade to existing Windows 10 clients. And so if you are set for automatic updates and you're set for major updates, right, because that is something you can disable, but if it is on, then likely that Wednesday when you wake up in the morning, you'll turn on your computer and there will be a message on your screen saying... Your computer is ready for Windows 11. Do you want to do it? And like it's already downloaded and ready to rock at that point. You just click the install button and go if you're ready to take that plunge. So, and so you can say 5th. no. You can you can say no at that no, point. No, you, you can't can say, say no. no. Eventually, I'm sure it will be. Well, mandatory. so what they did with Windows 10, if we remember, right? Because they did the same thing. Right, you you had Windows 7. Option, yeah. And they said, if you do the upgrade now, free. it's free. But only for a little while. Eventually, it won't be free. Right? It's still free. It's still free. Yeah, so, so you know, it's been how many years now? Nine years? Uh, it's been a hot <laughs> minute. It. Yeah. It's been a long time since Windows 10 came out, and, and it's still free. But that's likely what they'll do with Windows 11. They're already saying that, like, don't, don't hesitate to buy a computer right now. It'll be a free upgrade to Windows 11 mm. for a while. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah, because I feel like with, with the Mac, it doesn't... Uh, download the update until I say yes. Give me Big Sur or give me High Sierra or whatever. It then goes and downloads. Yeah, in in this case, it it will. Assuming you have the hard drive space for it, it will mm-hmm. download if your computer is supported. I guess that's something worth mentioning too, and, and kind of ties into our next article, which is not everybody is going to get the update message mm-hmm. because Microsoft puts some much more strict requirements on doing the deployment. So, for example, if you want to do the automatic upgrade. 
you need to have a Intel, well, if you have an Intel processor, it needs to be generation seven or newer, and they've got some limits around AMDs as well. Well, what if you have like a sixth generation Intel? Well, that's mm. that's still a, a viable processor, works just fine, but they will not do an automatic upgrade on that. So Microsoft did announce that if you have unsupported hardware, you're not completely out of luck. It just won't automatically upgrade through Windows Update. You'll have to download the ISO image and either make a, I was about to say make a DVD. Nobody does that anymore, but make <laughs> a USB yeah, installer. Yeah, Don's yeah. got DVDs stacked up on his desk. It's and great. so you can use the, the Windows installation media tool and it'll help you build a USB key and you can upgrade that way or do a clean install if you want. So they did uh, they did back off of that a little bit. Yeah, this one's coming to us from tomshardware.com uh, with the headline is Microsoft will let enthusiasts install Windows 11 on non-compliant PCs, report says. And that, that sounds a little complicated for... People and it's funny because the people that this would affect are the people with older machines that maybe aren't as tech savvy. So it's yeah, kind of interesting. Well, you know, if you think about like when Generation Seven Intel processors came out, and I should have looked that up, but like uh, last year they were selling Generation Nine. We're on Generation Ten, Eleven, and Twelve are roadmap. I think they're actually about to start selling Eleven. So Generation Seven, that's. Five two or three years, years maybe? maybe 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 four five, years probably yeah. three years ago okay uh so if you've got a computer that's old than that it might not meet what they require and it's because of some of the new security features and other things that microsoft's implementing they're relying on some of the features found in those processors so my core two duo not gonna cut it yeah no no it <laughs> so you're talking about like the i7s yeah not not i7 it's seventh generation so it's oh, okay. the generation of the uh, intel processors i got you because so, i was looking at i7s going those came out in in 20 when you when you look at an Intel processor's model number, it'll either be three or four digits, right? And so, like, uh, mine at home is a 9900, so I have a, an i9. Uh, it's made in 99. But the, <laughs> the first nine means that it's a ninth generation. I see. So that, and right now, if you buy one, oh, I guess it would actually be, would be five digits, because you'd get, like, an 11 or a, a 10900 is what replaced mine. That'd be five yeah. digits. Yeah. So if you look at yours and actually here, let's, let's see what my laptop is now. I'm curious. I don't actually know what my laptop has in it. I know, like you said, Daniel, I know I have an i7, but which one do I have? I got a nifty sticker right here. It tells me mine's a 10th gen. Mine's an 8650. So I have an eighth gen in my laptop. Well, there you go. So I can, I can upgrade to Windows 11. Woo you have a, where, where do I see that? Let's see. Oh, you're on a Mac, right? Oh, so yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I, want, I want Windows too. It seems yeah. really exciting. Uh, Wait, you, you got a new laptop, right? Isn't, I do. Uh, that's you a, do. That's right. Yours is an M1, so you don't no, get it at not. all. You it's, oh, it's not. One. No, it is a uh, 2.6 gigahertz, six core Intel uh, Core ah. i7. Well, yours is already out of date then. Yeah. It's not an M1. Might as well I, I assume that it was bought on sale yeah. by. We wrestled it away from some. Old lady that didn't <laughs> Some know. Child that <laughs> yeah. Really no, I actually signed the purchase order on that one. So uh, <laughs> if you if you want more than sixteen gigs of RAM right now, you, they don't sell M ones that way. So you've got to go yeah. and get the Intel one, which they still sell. How much RAM have you got in the thing? Thirty two. Oh, Should I be thirty two. Yeah, because I do. You know, some for video, the editing, editing and stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. Because of all the tabs he has open in Chrome. No, memory yeah. sixteen uh, gigs. I'm not gonna lie. Sixteen gigs of memory. Oh, you do have sixteen. <laughs> where's my M1? What a loser. Yeah, where's your M1? <laughs> Putting in a support ticket as yeah, we buy these things. Man, I don't know. Might as well just throw it on the ground and stomp on it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, one more article about Windows 11 before we move on uh, over from bleepingcomputer.com. Western Digital. No, that's not it. That's not it at all. I clicked away. <laughs> Still Very in Tom's Hardware. Done. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, Tom's Hardware. Yeah, we're staying there. Uh, Microsoft will disable updates on unsupported <laughs> Windows 11 installs. Is that? That's not that, it either. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That so, sounds a lot like the other article. Do you remember the TV show Joe Schmo? Yes. yes. The, you know, the fake uh, reality great. show. And uh, and they had the Falcon twist, right? So there'd be a challenge, and they would tell you the challenge. It wouldn't sound so bad. Like, you have to eat these pies. And then there was the, the Falcon twist. You had to eat the pie with a straw, you know, or something crazy like that. Well, Microsoft did that with these updates. They said, oh, if you have unsupported hardware, don't worry. You can actually install Windows 11. And then they threw out the Falcon twist, which yeah. was, which they should really call it that. But they, they really should. Um, I like that. They threw out the twist, which was, hey, Oh, if you do that, it'll work, but we might not let you use Windows Update anymore. So, that sounds like a feature. So it's going to be on... horribly insecure, like the moment after you. Yeah, do this. yeah. I mean, based on our YouTube comments, that sounds like a feature to a lot of people that are that hate Windows updates, even though they don't understand how that keeps how them secure. So important. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's uh, it's still. Uh, if you have supported hardware, obviously the hardware manufacturers these days like Apple and even the software in the case of Microsoft, they, they want you to upgrade by buying a new computer. Yeah. And what's a new computer cost these uh, days? Is that why that one article that we just looked at had like a bunch of, and now's the best time to actually buy a new computer. And then it listed like all these different manufacturers and their laptops. Well, we have that, yeah. yeah. And we saw that Russian computer a week ago or two weeks ago. I bought three of those. Get a good, good deal on it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think. Love them. I There's no malware on them at all. So just know that uh, we are basically a month away from Windows 11 dropping, and many of you will have support for it right away. You can jump on that bandwagon if you want, or many of you may not be able to run it, so just be aware. Yeah, that, that October launch date makes a lot more sense, because I was like, why would you drop it in between Kanye's album and Drake's album? Good point. And yeah. do I have to disable updates on my Linux Mint to keep it from updating? <laughs> yeah, because Microsoft's actually got that worked out okay, now. Geez. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you wake up on Monday and you're like, "It's all Windows How 11. did you do this? Yeah. What has happened? Edge is my default browser. Oh, son of a! <laughs> <laughs> Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back. In. Clippy pops up. <laughs> yeah. I bet you're yeah. wondering where I came yeah. from. Hey, Daniel, You'll never get rid of me. <laughs> I don't forget. Clippy, you. no. <laughs> all right. Now we're going to go over to bleepingcomputer.com and look at this one. Western Digital confirms speed-crippling SN550 SSD flash change. So this means that the the drive that I already would have bought that ran fast is going to now run slower? No. 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 What, what, did you buy one of these? No. Okay. I, right. I, was, it, I, was, I was like the... You know, collective. Okay, Wii. got it, got it. So I, I almost bought this very drive the other month for a little Raspberry Pi project I was mm. doing, which it wouldn't have mattered; would have been fine for that. But, yeah. uh, uh, but the Western Digital SN550, it is one of the least expensive SSDs available if you go on Amazon or, or wherever to purchase one of these, which makes it a great little project SSD. Or people will use it to upgrade their laptops if they're going from spinning disk to SSD for the first time. So it's a very popular disk. Well. The chip shortage has popped up once again, and we're starting to find where a lot of manufacturers are having to change as a result to limited availability of chips. And I believe we talked about this on the podcast before, like how Ford was having to start manufacturing cars without wireless charging in them because they ran out of the wireless charging logic chips. Mm. Uh, so they actually had to like downgrade their models. Well, Western Digital ran into something similar. They were not able to secure the, the amount of chips they needed for the... Uh, I believe it's the caching chip for the SSD. And so they had to swap out a different part. 
And when they did that, they left everything the same. It's still the SN550. It's uh, you know marketed the same, same model number, same barcode. But thanks to that different chip, under certain situations, the SSD is now 50% slower when it comes to write speed. Same model number, same price, 50% slower writes. Some people are not happy about that. It yeah. seems like that you scene think? from Ace Ventura 2 where his friend is like interpreting what he is saying to the tribe. And he's like, did you just refer to me as like a white devil? He's like, yeah. He's like, leave that part out. <laughs> that's, that's them. Just leave that out. Just yeah. leave it out that we, now it's the I, same thing. I will say if you, if you go on Reddit, if you go on Tom's don't, hardware don't or, you know, these various websites, people are outright vilifying Western digital for doing a bait and switch and not telling the customer. And, but, let me let me give you kind of the counterside, and, and I, I do think it's wrong that if you're going to change the parts, it's now a new device. Give it a new model number. That makes sense. So Western Digital has come out, and they said they'll do that, that in the future, if they change hardware like this, they will change the model number. So they, they, they recognize the error. But it's a little blown out of proportion because the scenario where you drop to 50% write performance is when you fill up the caching memory on it, and it has 12 gigabytes of caching memory. So the only time you'd run into this 50% degradation is when you're writing more than 12 gigabytes to the flash drive, which how often does that happen? Like daily. I'm writing it right now. I, I guess, <laughs> well, Daniel, you yeah. might be a good exception because you, I know you store virtual machines on external storage and then drag it in. Yes. So uh, I do work with that a lot. So yeah, I would see a performance hit on this and that would be unfortunate. I'm not the kind of person that gets my gets my ire up about that kind of thing. I just go, ah, oh, that sucks. And I walk away from my computer or I do something else or I use another computer. <laughs> Is that yeah. something you could clear that cache? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's not how that works. It's not like, okay. So that cache is there to like buffer the memory. To make it, yeah. Or, go, or, or buffer the data that's being transferred. So once you fill that up with a file that's larger than that 12 gigabytes, that's where you'll start to see the performance degradation. So you would have to be moving a lot of files that are larger than 12 gigs. And, and the moment a file's done copying, it empties yeah, out. Yeah, it goes back so, out and it goes back to normal speed. Yeah. Well, I, b- I believe one episode of, of this show on when we <laughs> record it is... Uh, it's like 250 gigs nah, or whatever. It's probably like 60 gigs, yeah. I'm guessing. All right. So, so if you were doing a job but like I wouldn't this, be doing yeah, you would be upset yeah. because now all of a sudden it's taking you twice as long to transfer files than it did before. Yeah. Although in, in the case of editing a 60 gig video file, uh, what do you use, like Adobe Premiere? Mm-hmm. So Adobe Premiere is actually smart enough to say, I'm not going to load the entire, the entire file, file on the RAM. Yeah. Well, that's when, because that's what I was thinking when you're talking about cache, because I, yeah. you know, it creates a cache kind of version of that too. Mm-hmm. And so I can clear that periodically when I need to save space. Then it takes a lot more time next time I open that right, project. That it's got to recreate there, that. Yeah. yeah. But when cache. you when you first copy that file to the disk, yeah, you'd see you know that it, right. that it would effectively take twice as long hmm. uh, after the first twelve gigabytes. Yeah, uh, and then it's just the write speeds that are affected. The read speeds are still the same. Hmm. So you know it's it's a sort of sort of sort of yeah. limited window. Write is always the bottleneck, right? Because it, typically, yeah, yeah. Now our producer knows uh, if I give her a one of these great drives as a gift, so that was <laughs> not really a gift. All right. I I do fully expect to see these in Black Friday sales 
come November. Oh, like, I'm yeah. gonna snatch them up. Nobody's gonna buy them. <laughs> yeah, because they, they've gotten such bad press. And heck, yeah. man, I'll buy a lot of these. Well, bad I wonder boys. if there's a way. Uh, I'll put them in new uh, enclosures and sell them as something. Else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's a way to look at the box and and tell, uh, you know, this is oh before this date or after this date when it was made. If there's like a serial number or something, so you can. You know, put it on eBay as original well, legacy version. I don't know about a date, but the the big stink originally was that they didn't change any of the product yeah. numbering, so there would be no real way to tell. What gets the yeah. what does the box say? Speeds? I mean, oh, it does. Yeah, and and they did they not change that? So they well, they already printed those boxes. They left their marketing with the original speeds. Yeah, yeah. that was another thing. All so right. they uh, they have since updated that. Yeah, uh, they, they updated it by. Removing the right speed in many places, which sure. will tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, There's just a Walmart yeah. employee with all the boxes scratching out. The- <laughs> There's a sticker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he writes on the exact. Uh, you get three fifty, mm. not six. All right. Well, well, let's move on uh, to uh, a story I thought would be funny, and then just kind of. Well, that's uh, where you were wrong. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. I, I knew you would like this one because of the picture in the article. No <laughs> oh, goodness gracious! Well, and yeah. the picture looks like uh, you know David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Um, with his face blurred out, holding a naked mannequin. Um, and Don's right. I love it. Uh, all right, this one is from ArsTechnica.com, and uh, the headline is, Don't be a Steve, a nude hunt. L.A. fisherman, with the PH, access 4,700 iCloud accounts, 620,000 photos. The attacker seems to have relied on social engineering to hoodwink his victims. That is a mouthful of a headline, but this is not the first iCloud uh, leak hack that that we've seen. Guessing it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, but so st- still, people want to keep their their nudie photos up there. Well, you know, in in this case, so well, I guess it's automatic automatically yes. backs up to the cloud. Yeah, but you can turn that off. You can, but then that's like pushing buttons and doing stuff. And we're talking that's about fair. people that call tech support and go. How do I indent yeah. my sentence? <laughs> they, they call tech support. And go. All my nudes are missing. Yeah. 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 You know the uh, the. The type of people that are taking nude pictures of themselves are not generally Uh-oh. the type here's, of people that here's know. Here's the judgment from, yeah. from Moral Don. Have you seen a uh, hot IT technician nude website? Like, that doesn't exist. That's this, true. <laughs> so, or does I'm going to send you <laughs> some I'm photos. I'm going to Google for it. <laughs> Don's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> this is another trick to get me to type in porn keywords. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll so, do it. Yeah, there's not a like men of IT calendar that I've seen. It, I, we <laughs> talked about that last week. I said, why don't we do uh, edutainers of IT Pro TV calendar? Dude, if you haven't seen the IT crowd episode where they did uh, a calendar shoot, it was stinking fun. Oh, I need to see yeah, that one. That's a good one. Well then, so uh, but Daniel's exactly right. If you buy an iPhone, they get you to sign in with an iCloud account. If you don't have one, it creates one for you. It's just a part of using the phone, and mm-hmm. and they tell you, hey, if you log in with your iCloud account. You can use the Find My iPhone service mm-hmm. to find your phone, remote wipe it. You get all the security stuff. When you buy apps, you have to have an account. They tell you all that. They don't really come out so much and say, oh, by the way, we're going to store every photo that you take and all of your text messages, and we're going to store that up on our servers. And if you screw up, you could easily disclose that to anybody in the entire world, right? That's not in the marketing slick from Apple. So uh, so that's what we have here. And this isn't a a true hack. Like, this guy didn't hack Apple's network. No, he, it was he got their passwords. Yeah. And he did it through a few different ways. He was basically doing blanket emails, shooting as many emails as he could, hoping to get some hits. He got at least 306 victims, so a lot of people. Uh, and he had a few different ways that he was promoting this uh, to get them to disclose their credentials. One way was where he would 
offer to give a person access to someone else's iCloud account. And so it was like a cheating oh, I like a service. Password, yeah. so mm-hmm. can, Don, yeah. how do you keep your nude selfie safe? Oh, definitely in iCloud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just two-factor authentication. Yeah. No, I use so that Western Digital out. Drive, and that's why I'm so pissed. It yeah, takes yeah. my videos twice yeah. as long to load now. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he was effective. He got a ton of pictures. Um, somebody, uh, actually somebody here in Florida, I think they were in Tampa. Yeah, uh, a person in Tampa, uh, un- undisclosed name, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but they they... They found their picture on an adult website, uh, you know, their own. <laughs> what were photo. they doing? No, I think they got like informed by an organization that looks for celebrity nudes. Wait, were these know. celebrities again? Yeah, oh, this was, was a celebrity. That's how they. That's oh, how they found. Oh, I did not happened. hear that part. It's someone yeah. okay. in Tampa. I'm assuming. So it's the a person wrestler. in Tampa was a celebrity. A wrestler. So just look up. Probably. Most likely, I was about to say it. So it's Hulk Hogan. I'm, right? I'm thinking Hulk Hogan's daughter. Um, um, Brooke was Brooke it? Hogan. Yeah, no, I, I think it's Hulk Hogan. There's a guy. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. I'm hey, sure. brother, what are you doing with my nudes? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> he already had that video leak from uh, Bubba the Love Sponge or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that Anywho, yep, that's what happened. This company informed that celebrity that your nudes are your selfies yeah. are available, and they sued this guy. And I sued him. They had him arrested. He yeah, he, yep. he broke the law. Yeah, that's yeah. This, yeah. this is so criminal, he, not civil. And they or are both. a part of that suit. Therefore, he no, he pled guilty. Case, criminal case. So uh, he is like doing a um, oh, what's it called? A plea bargain? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Plea deal. He is doing a plea deal. He's like, I'll uh, give you all the photos back. It, <laughs> it said that he could get up to it was something like four or five years in jail. But judges, since, I'm going to go review these. Since it's a, <laughs> that doesn't seem too long, deal, honestly. For, he'll probably just get like a year of probation yeah, or something. He's going to be cleaning up trash on, on you know, 275. That's why these crimes keep happening. But it does highlight, and the, the lesson we can all take from this is... You know, one, never give your credentials to anybody. Even the official company like Apple will never ask you for your credentials. Never share your credentials with anyone. Enable two-factor authentication when you can. And if you really want to, you can see Hulk Hogan dude whenever you want. Yeah, and, and don't <laughs> trust the guy that says, I'll give you access to other photos I've stolen if you give me your password. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That seems... I think I they, say a celebrity. It says the it was game an unnamed was... public figure. Tampa. Public figure. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if it was, uh, where's the uh, Gates guy from, right? Or Getz? Who's uh, in Matt the news? Gates? Gates? Yeah. Oh, he's Isn't from he the East, East Coast, Florida, right? So there's a lot of celebrities that live in Tampa. I don't know. Yeah, there yeah. are. Yeah. Really so, are. Um, what, what the one thing confuses me here before we move on, it says he accessed 4,700 iCloud accounts, but then it says there were 306 victims. Does that mean he didn't steal all the so photos? He or must he just have, went through so the ones that he found stuff he he liked? Maybe they're saying that the victims are the ones that he actually, like, extorted that could be yeah well regardless uh you know not not the greatest pr for icloud but again it, as you said don it's not not icloud's fault in this case it is uh people's fault for giving that stuff out yeah. but uh so it says he, he cast his fishing net and 4700 people responded mm. and then he picked through uh it does say that he picked through roughly 200 of the victims uh but then there were 306 victims altogether. so yeah it's strange weird math yeah. We'll see. It's a it's kind of a breaking story. Yeah, and it's in Tampa, so maybe we'll get one of those great Zoom uh, trials again. Well, the, the trial's in California. Oh, it's it? disappointing. No, I thought it was Tampa. Well, he they, lives in California, but I think they said the trial was in Tampa. Maybe oh. it's federal interstate commerce of. Maybe we can do a live yeah. right from uh, an unnamed public event. figure in Tampa where the court case was eventually held. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah we'll get the Zoom photo bombers again then. If, 
All right, get the mannequin. We're going. Let's get <laughs> I'm going to recreate the photo in there. All right, uh, let's take a look at our last segment of the day, which is a look back at something we've already talked about. So this is Deja News. Deja News. All right, so this is something just from last week. Uh, this yeah. is at PCGamer.com. Windows 10 security was thwarted yet again, this time by SteelSeries peripherals. Because last week we talked about a Razer mouse uh, that can give you admin rights to any Windows 10 Correct. machine yeah. that you plug it into. And we already had people in the comments on YouTube going, just out of curiosity, where do I get this mouse? Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right. Yeah. Asking for a friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. wondering, how much, how much is that? Um, but uh, we've got a new one. So this is, I assume, the same exploit they're taking advantage of? Oh, yes. Yeah. And and really, if we took the time, there's probably many hardware peripherals. And yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that last week. I just thought it would take a little bit longer before we had another article like this. But uh, SteelSeries also makes gaming mice, so it's right in that same thing. There's nothing special about mice that leads to this. It's any hardware that will automatically install a driver and that will allow you to browse to pick a location on the hard drive. So uh, basically, the SteelSeries people, what they did is they immediately disabled the automatic software install, which I didn't know they could do because it's technically Windows Update that pushes this. Oh, yeah. So they they are able to, through whatever control panel or, or whatever Microsoft gives them, they're able to disable it. I'm surprised the Razor people didn't come out and say that, but maybe maybe the SteelSeries techs are a little bit better. Uh, but they said they immediately <laughs> disabled that, and they're just going to push out a version that doesn't let you pick where to install it. Um, but there you go. it is, uh, you know, it is... It's important. Razor obviously was in the news really big because they were kind of the first one. Mm -hmm. And but it's a bigger name, I feel like, in terms of... Probably. Well, I mean, just knowing the the culture of the security researchers out there, as soon as something gets discovered, it's like, it's a race to the bottom at that point. It's like, okay, well, if I'm, peripherals I'm do this, everything. Yeah. I'm going to go buy a bunch of just rando peripherals off of Amazon and see if any of them have the same type yeah. of yeah. Uh, exploit. And then I get a CVE to my name. You know, I, I did think about it because I, I was running through my head all the different uh, USB yeah. peripherals and stuff that I have. And not a single device I own, if I plug in, does it actually give me an interactive installer. Uh, hmm. All of them are automatic. Even like my Logitech webcam, which installs like three yeah, different Logitech apps. Yeah. It's all done in the background. I don't get any yeah. interaction. Does that only happen the first time you put that in there? Like, would you have to kind of try this on a new machine to see? Um, well, it would be if you didn't have the driver. Okay. So if you had uninstalled the driver or you never installed it in the first place. So I didn't realize that, uh, going back to what you were saying, Daniel, about getting your name on a CV, is that, uh, I didn't realize that that was a thing. So is that like when an astronomer discovers an asteroid, they get to name it? It's the same kind of thing yeah, here you that find, you get. You find any kind of security issue that they'll label as a CVE, you get credit for that. that that's kind of like yeah. a... And that's like a resume. A little feather in your thing. cap. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But Very they cool. don't... Does MITRE actually put that on their site? I don't think they do, right? But, I don't I mean, know whether or not... I, had, I never like paid attention... But the, the news articles you. do, and that's oh, the what news you articles, stick on your resume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you could probably well, claim some CVEs. There, there's definitely, it's got to be a way, because I know people put them on their resume to say, this CV is attributed to me. So there must be an must author be something that, that discovered by... That. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to pull up like yeah. a recent CVE so I can find out, but... Uh, you know, they want me to... I don't want to search. Just show me the stupid CVEs. Yeah. Just hit the <laughs> top, like, what's the last CVE? Doesn't have a list of it? Right there on their landing page? You'd think. Like, here's the most recently discovered CVE. I thought it did. Uh, I am seeing all of their... Oh, it's their Twitter feed, apparently, yeah, they show. Oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. worth it. Obviously, MITRE is no longer a rep reputable company. <laughs> 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 They've got a Twitter account. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, how that's I know not to trust them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't trust politicians anymore. They all yeah. got Twitter. 
Before that, I was a big, big fan of politicians. Before that. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> Love the guys. CVE.minor.com. Uh, did you know that... Uh, CVE list. That Don's mom is so dumb. <laughs> when she saw the sign Disneyland left, she went home. Did she? <laughs> kind of witty. Okay, you laughed at that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Because it, it was like, oh, you actually had to think on that one for and a second. Last one. Remember, send in these uh, Don Your Mama jokes at Tatander.com. <laughs> uh, Don's mom is so fat, when God said, let there be light, he asked her to scoot a little bit out of the way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, so I do have a CV. That that oh. joke was long enough for me to pull yeah, the CV. I was, I was like, i got to fill time <laughs> yeah. here for Don. Good job. Uh, and so, you know, looking at CV, they give us the description of it. They give references, uh, numerous links, which do include, uh, like in the one I'm looking at, several yeah. GitHub repositories. Uh, so from that, if you were, well, I don't Maybe know. you receive something um, from them when when you're Ooh. attributed. Like your YouTube plaque when you hit like a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. million. Yeah. I've never done it, so I, I don't know what the process yeah, is for. Start, yeah. start plugging like, stuff into your computer, Daniel, know, and see right? if you can. I got time for that. Stuff. I got to finish CEH. That'd be great for CEH. I can't, I can't be looking for new vulnerabilities if, while I'm trying to teach everybody said, about the old ones. Yeah, if we said this guy <laughs> teaching you found this CVE and here's the proof. Yeah. Oh. Buy me a bunch of stinking peripherals. I'll get I to will. work. All right. Yeah, so it, it looks like they, they don't put it on the site, which makes sense because they're really yeah. just trying to report on here's a vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, but if you discovered it, I, I guess, you know, it's like when you discover a new bug or something. Yeah. That, well, you get to name a bug, but you don't. I, yeah, like, yeah. how does that work? Hmm. I I guess can I just start lying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we can't find the way to attribute it, yeah, there's like, no way to verify. CVs, that was Man, me. I am CVE. I was so busy that Supreme. week. Matt, maybe that's why, because I, I know I've made fun of this before, but like when Spectrum Meltdown happened, remember yeah. how they had the, they had already like trademarked the name right. and had a web page yeah. and a logo made. Like they yeah, wanted you to just make sure. do what you feel like doing. Yeah. yeah. Get a website whipped up and be like, Go man, I found all these CVEs. Mm. Of course, then the real cool. hacker will come after you. <laughs> yeah. And he'll show you the CVEs on your yeah. system you yeah. don't know about. Yet. That's right. All right. Uh, speaking of stuff you should know about, there's a webinar coming up from IT Pro TV on Thursday, September 9th, Azure Virtual Desktop versus Windows 365, which is right for you. We'll find out as Adam Gordon and Mike Roder go head to head and check out the use cases for Windows 11, AVD, and Windows 365. Uh, that is, like I said, coming up Thursday, September 9th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars where you can register for that one and see all the past webinars. And then head over to technado.com or technado.do uh, if you're so inclined and you can see the latest episodes and you can contact us with your favorite Your Mama Jokes for example, <laughs> Don's mom is so dumb when they said it was chilly outside, she grabbed a bowl. Uh, you can put that over in the form because it's like chilly. I've not heard that oh, one before. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, this is a great BuzzFeed article that I found with all these. Uh, so you can head over there. You can also hit that big orange button that says Sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal subscription uh, membership to IT Pro TV. Uh, so head over there to technator.com and do that. Hey, we've also got a free Microsoft weekend because it is Microsoft month in September at IT Pro TV. That is the 18th and 19th. And we've got things like Microsoft 365 Fundamentals, uh, PowerShell Basics, and PowerShell Scripting, uh, Azure Administer, Administrator Associate, AZ-104, and Microsoft Azure Security, AZ-500, which is getting some new updates now as well, and Managing Microsoft Teams, MS-700. So uh, go ahead and uh, check those out. Uh, head over to IT Pro TV and uh, create a free account, and you can access those for free on the 18th and 19th 
of September. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. You guys got anything? It looks like Miter gives you an email verifying oh. that you were the one that submitted this, and it was been approved and accepted. Well, there you go. And you can print that out, stick it, it says, in your It says, keep this. It's lovely. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to spend... Because no one can forge an email, right? Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Maybe with a you know, public key or some private key or something. I don't know. Wow, these mom jokes. Digital signature. These mom jokes are getting to Digital the point where signature. I can't even read these anymore. That would do it. Ooh, like yeah. blockchain. Yeah. Ah, blockchain. Perfect. Your mom's so blockchain... I don't yeah, know. yeah, I'm sure we've we got a week to come up with that one. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys take it easy. Uh, thanks again to Dimitri, and we'll see you next week right here on TechNado with Don Pizet.